Welcome to episode two of the Swamp Flicks podcast. My name is Brandon Lede. And I'm James Cohn. Uh, we're coming to you from behind the ghost of the old rock and bowl in Mid-City, New Orleans. Uh, this is the podcast version of the movie review website Swamp Flicks. It's been a few weeks since we recorded one of these. We survived Mardi Gras. We survived a nasty cold that came through and got everybody one by one. And then we survived a just terrible storm system that brought tornadoes through the area the other day. But now we're back and we're ready to talk about movies. Uh, what are we talking about today, James? We're going to be talking about Jennifer Lynch's directorial debut, uh, Boxing Helena. And what else are we going to be talking about, Brandon? Uh, every evil doll movie I could think of. So we're going to try to run through a bunch of titles of movies about killer dolls. And uh, for that conversation, our friend and Swampflex contributor, Brittany Lombus, is going to be stopping by. Hello, everyone. <laughs> There's Brittany. Um, and all of that's coming up to you right, right now. And now it's time for the movie of the minute section of the podcast. Uh, this is kind of a quicker version of movie of the month. Uh, we do this thing on the website where we make each other watch films that we've never seen before. Um, the movie of the minute, uh, basically me and James are just going to go back and forth suggesting films. Last time I made him watch Felt, uh, and this time he made me watch uh, Boxing Helena. Uh, so what what is Boxing Helena, James? So it is... Uh... First of all, I guess the kind of first thing to know about it is it's directed by Jennifer Lynch, who is the daughter of David Lynch, one of the most famous directors. But first of all, she was 19 when she made this movie. And also, it it had all these legal battles around it because Madonna, Kim Basinger, they both had signed up to play the lead role and then backed out after they actually realized what they were getting themselves into. And so they successfully sued Kim Basinger for millions of dollars and she settled. And so the movie itself, when it premiered, it kind of had all this press already around it. And apparently at Sundance, it was like kind of a hit. And then once it was shown to like, mainstream critics it was a huge flop uh watching the movie it is a complete mess i mean there's no denying that it's a bad movie it's a bad movie no it is but there are things about it that are almost good <laughs> like it's all it's approaching something that could have been really like subversive or just really surreal, but it never quite gets there. And I think that has a lot to do with the director's like 19 when she made this movie. I mean, you give anyone that, that kind of money and tell them to just make a film at 19, it's going to be a train wreck. And by all accounts it was, but it's a really fun train wreck. Yeah, I would, I would definitely put it in the like, so bad it's good category. Like, yeah. you can't say that this is a well-made uh, film that, like, accomplishes every goal it sets out to, like, aim for, but it is fun to watch, and it is so persistently weird <laughs> and just, like, off-putting that it sticks with you, even though it is and that, definitely poorly made. And it it does seem like she, that Jennifer Lynch took a lot from her father. Apparently she worked as a, a production assistant on... Uh, Blue Velvet, and so she knows 
I don't know, she knows about film, about making these weird films, but it doesn't, it's not quite there. And it's a little, it's disappointing because there's parts of it where I'm just like, my mouth was hanging open, like, this is so <laughs> freaking bad and like soap opery and like well it's definitely more um twin peaks david lynch than it is like maholland drive or blue velvet like uh it's firmly in the melodrama category uh you could easily see a way it could have been made for like skinamax or uh lifetime it does it has a feel of like a late night skinamax movie with like weird surrealist like undertones but basically, the plot of the movie, there's a successful surgeon who they establish very early in the film has, like, mommy issues. <laughs> and, and that's the thing about the movie. It's not subtle at all. Nope. <laughs> it's like, they hammer home every, like, metaphor. And anyway, he... His uh, mommy issues was that he liked to watch his mom have sex with men that weren't his dad. Right. So right, and that's established like pretty much in the first like five minutes, maybe before the credits, <laughs> right? So it's just letting you know, like, okay, this guy's messed up. He has issues with women. He is really obsessed with Helena, this kind of temptress sort of girl, like just free, loving, free spirit that like wants nothing to do with him. She's repulsed by him. But he keeps, like, pursuing her, even though he has a beautiful girlfriend that, like, is very affectionate, very nice, but he just doesn't care. He's all for this girl. And then she ends up getting in a car accident right in front of his house. Helena does. Helena. Yeah. So he takes her inside, proceeds to amputate her legs, <laughs> and, like, holds her captive, and throughout the movie, he's... He eventually chops off her arms, and it becomes this weird, like, nightmare. Like, she's stuck in this guy's house, and he's trying to convince her to, like, fall in love with him. And the whole time, there's weird, like, slow motion shots and a lot of sexual... Really thing. graphic sex, which... Graphic sex that goes on for way too long. You wouldn't expect that with the quality of film. Yeah. Like, it starts to look like a softcore porno, almost. There's, I mean, there's, like, five to ten minute long, especially at the end. Kind of like The Room. <laughs> yeah, it does It does feel a lot, like, kind of like a precursor to The Room. And, uh, yeah, especially at the end, there's, like, a ten minute long, just drawn out sex scene. And it's, like, so, so over the top. Like, well, basically, the first time he amputates her, she's hit by the car, and her legs are deeply damaged. Right. So he has to remove her arms. The second time... Uh, sorry, her yeah. legs. Sorry, her legs. Uh, the second time, um, she tries to strangle him, and he removes her arms just for convenience. Because basically, he's trying to keep her at this house. Right. The reason he's trying to keep her at the house is so that she can watch him fuck. Because uh, before right. the, the film's narrative begins, uh, they had a one-night encounter, and he didn't perform very well uh, because he was so enraptured with her that he just, like, came early. And she constantly rubs that in his face. Oh, yeah. Like, just calls him impotent, like, you'll never be able to please me. And there are these weird, like, almost feminist sort of undertones, like, 
You that's what I like about the movie is you can kind of take it both ways. I don't think you can call anything in this movie an undertone. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe it does have a feminist angle, but it doesn't pursue it enough to really like. I think it just it lays the, the cards out on the table to the point where like there's nothing to explore. Like uh, she. Okay, he removes her all four of her limbs, so she's just there. Yeah. And then after that, she's like, do you like me as a person, or am I just an object to you? And it's right. like, well, is that even a mystery? Like, you are a literal object that he's keeping in your house. And then that's backed up with all these shots of a Venus de Milo statue. Right. So so blatant. Like, I was talking about, like, these metaphors are just, like, not subtle at no. all. There so many shots are like a shot of a bird in its cage like okay we get it like she's stuck there like a bird in a cage and we get it like she has her limbs chopped off like venus de milo it's like and you just can't help but laugh at like how cheesy but like you said this was written and directed by a 19 year old and if i was 19 and writing and directing a movie it probably would come out almost exactly the same no so you i don't know i think when you watch it you have to take that into account like you I don't know, just judging the movie on its own, like, it is pretty awful, but I don't know. I am interested to see, like, where she's at now as a filmmaker, because she didn't make anything for, like, a decade. Maybe 15 years, almost. Yeah, maybe more than that, till she got back into directing. So like, And she I, mostly works in horror still. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of like a suspense horror film, even though it's kind of posed as, like, a, a 90s erotic thriller, it... It, it is like kind of a horror aspect because he does keep her around. It's like it's like horror in the way that like misery is horror when uh, right. Kathy Bates cuts off the dude's legs just because she's in love with him. You know, um, I think I think what makes the movie interesting and why it's still around and being talking uh, talked about because it does show up every now and then on like weirdest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. There is something really off putting about it, even though it feels like it's not. Uh, all there, like it's maybe a little airheaded. Um, there's just something really just gross about every scene. No, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like I, I think if she was a little bit older, maybe had made a few other films, that this could have been really good. Oh yeah, it's it, there, and that's what like that's what I'm saying. That's the main thing that I really got out of it was like, man, it's like so close to being. A cult classic, like a real like, but a good cult classic that has like a message, and but it's the message is so kind of muddled, and you can't really like you come out of the movie, you don't really quite know what she's trying to say, and it also has like one of the worst endings ever. Uh, the whole yeah, let's just spoil that because it's such a fucking cop out. No, and you should know before you get into it, like you. The ending is the absolute worst cop out, and it's yeah, it's like the whole it was a dream yeah thing. She was hit by a truck, and he brought her to the hospital. She never lost her legs, she never lost her arms. Uh, he just dreamed the whole thing, and that's it. That's <laughs> which is the most frustrating ending to a film possible. It feels like a sitcom. Episode. So maybe it's trying to say like she or that uh, the surgeon character like. This is kind of all men's fantasies. Basically, this is all men dream about is to be able to hold a woman captive. It is in interesting that, way. that in his fantasy, at first she's not into it, 
obviously, because she's prisoner. Right. But he does win her over by the end. By the end, he does. Because yeah. the jealous boyfriend uh, comes over and tries to rescue her from the surgeon who's removing her limbs. And she's like, no, I want to be with him. Um, and the way that he wins her over is proving to her that he can fuck. Because the first time he has sex, he premature ejaculates again. Which right. is the same reason why they never pursued their sexual relationship in the first place. But the second time, he brings home a nurse from the hospital where he works... And does like all kinds of dirty things right. in this really extended sequence uh, set to this kind of infamous song that I don't even know the name of. Um, some 90s like hit. Right. It's like some new age like Enya type music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that scene goes on forever. And That's proves, the scene I'm talking about just like so long. So he proves to her that he can have sex and he can perform well. And then not that long after it, she's like, oh, I'm in love with you. Please show me what it's like to be a woman again, because I'm incomplete now. And that I don't know that message sort of makes you feel uneasy too. Again, it's like, what are you really trying to say here? Like, is that what all you know? All women want is just the guy that can. But it's his fantasy. So it's, it's really what men want, right? Well, men want a woman. All she wants is to be pleased. And possessed. And possessed sexually in that way. he props her up in her wheelchair and wheels her around. He, like, puts makeup on her every day to make sure she looks beautiful. Uh, even though she's a, an amputee, she's, like, dressed in nice lingerie. Right. And she's still, like, this, like, object for him to admire on a daily basis. But also the Helena character, like, is objectively awful. Like, <laughs> I, at least I think she, like, treats everyone pretty... Crappily, she doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities. There's a scene where the surgeon has a dinner party at his house, and she just decides to strip in the fountain and do a provocative dance, which is like and, the most manic pixie dream girl like cliche you could possibly. Yeah, think of. and it's also done in like super slow mo too, and it's like that scene especially felt straight out of softcore porn. Well, I mean, the lady's played by Sherilyn Fenn, who is gorgeous, uh, and was also on Twin Peaks uh, right. as Audrey Horn. Um, but she often ends up in films like this, where she's, like, basically this, like, softcore porn stand-in. Yeah. Like, she's basically just beautiful. She has some, like, melodramatic lines, and that's, like, her whole deal. Like, she's never really given that much to do. And you can imagine, like, or try to imagine Kim Basinger or Madonna. Oh, Madonna would have been so good. I think Madonna could have worked really well and maybe there's brought the movie up to another level, but... There's an alternate universe where this movie could have been Madonna as uh, Helena and John Malkovich as the surgeon. Because he was in talks to be the, uh, the surgeon character at one point. Yeah. I think, undeniably, if those two characters... If those two... Uh, roles are filled by those actors, this would be a cult classic that people would be watching every year. Yeah, and well, the surgeon's played by uh, Julian Sands. He's awful. (laughs) Yeah, and I've seen him in some other stuff. He usually plays like a villain. Uh, In this, he is, he's terrible. He's just like so pathetic and so whiny. There's a scene where he's jogging and picturing um, what's his name? Bill Paxton having sex with uh, Helena 
Um, and it cuts back and forth to him, like, jogging sad, them fucking, him jogging sad. Fucking and back s- and forth. <laughs> and it's so bad. And he's, it's all, again, in, like, I believe super he's in slow-mo. The yeah, he's in the rain, he's jogging, he's crying, and then it cuts to Bill Paxson, like, feeling every inch of, of Helena. And that's another thing, too, is, like, this movie has a few ridiculous cameos, like, Bill Paxton uh, as the like lover boy, and then also Art Garfunkel. Why? Why is he in this He's movie? Just as, there, just there as uh, you know the surgeon's friend, drinking buddy, drinking buddy friend. I don't know what. Like, why is he in this movie? I have no idea. He's just like a reasonable observer. <laughs> like, I don't know. I almost feel like he's just kind of just stumbled onto this movie set. And just like, oh. Well, that brings in the question, like, is this what uh, she wanted when uh, what's her name? Jennifer Lynch made the movie? Mm-hmm. Was she trying to make a campy film? Because the fact that it played to like, an art house crowd at Sundance well points to it being that way. Her dad was making uh, Twin Peaks around that time, maybe right. a little earlier. Uh the fact that Julian Sands and Sherilyn Fenn are so bad in this film, it almost doesn't feel like it wasn't on purpose. Like, I... You know, I wondered that too, watching it. Like, I don't know, watching it a second time recently, I do think it was intentional. And in that in that way, it kind of hits it out the park. Because if it's trying to be campy, well, it definitely was. And it's enjoyable for its campiness. Like, if you try to think of it as a serious movie where she was trying to get across some like real message, then it definitely falls flat. But you know, we can't really know her intentions. Yeah. But as a, as a camp film, it like, it's awesome. It's so bad, but it's so memorable and so ridiculous. Yeah. If, if lifetime made a movie like boxing Helena once a month, it would be the perfect world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this is everything you want out of, like, co-ed Carl Girl or, like, Wife, Mother, Murderer. Uh, no, it is. It's this like, is, like, great melodrama. It almost got rated NC-17 for the sex scenes. Um, but there's nothing really, like, particularly violent about it or anything like that. No, it, this that's could, true, too. It's not, not really violent. It does all kind of revolve around sex. I mean... Well, yeah, the first scene... Um, where she gets hit by the car, you see her legs getting crushed. Um, when he chops off her arms, you're not, you don't, you don't have to lift through that. She tries to choke him, and then in the next scene, she doesn't have any arms. And yeah. You kind of just like make that leap, um, and it never ends in anyone else dying or anything. Like it, like you said, it's all wrapped up. It was just in a dream. Which so, <laughs> is like, it does make you leave the film like, oh come on, like. But, I, you know, I don't know. What other ending would you really ask for with this type of film? It's such a weird question, because it was all just a dream usually is such a frustrating cop-out. But at the same time, the fact that this was his fantasy of what he wanted, like he wanted this woman to belittle him until he could prove to her that he could have sex competently. Right. Until And then she falls in love with him immediately and doesn't want her, like, young buck boyfriend anymore. Uh, I mean, it is kind of like a parody of, like, male sexual fantasy and and also the way she treats him 
the whole movie and the fact that it's very obvious, like she's kind of out of his league. It's like, yeah, I think a lot of guys would fantasize like, you know, that girl that's like, they just can't have her. And this like wish like, Oh, if I could just show her like how great I am, if I could just keep her like hold up in a room and just like convince her. And, and that, I think that is a part of the male psyche, at least for like, some men. Right. So, in that way, I mean, it does... I think it touches on something and he is, very real. He is pushing that, like, I'm a nice guy angle, where, like, uh, the boyfriend that she's more likely to continue having sex with is Bill Paxton. And he's a total idiot in this film. He's, like, this, like, stupid brute. I love... This might be my favorite Bill Paxton. Yeah, you haven't seen Near Dark, huh, where he plays a vampire? I've seen Near Dark. You have that, seen that? That is really good. Those are both, well. like... Up there for me, for sure. He has so many just, like, brain-dead kind of moments, so many lines. Like, he leaves leaves the room at one point, and he's just like, Asta whatever. It's just, like, (laughs) shit like that. It's like, and he's wearing, like, all leather, too. Like, I don't know what was up with his attire, but... Does he work at a sex club or something like that? He works at some kind of nightclub or something. And just the way... That sex scene that they have where he's just, like, licking up and down her body. And it's just, like, I've never seen Bill Paxton like that. It almost feels like he's making fun of Keanu Reeves or something. Yeah, he's playing that, like, jock, like, kind of bro character. And it would make sense that in um, The Surgeon's Fantasy, the surgeon is the successful, uh, intelligent guy who, like... He's trying to prove to this woman that um, the reason he can't perform sexually is because he just holds her in such high regard. So it makes sense that in his mind, this other guy is just this idiot. That's that is a good point. Like he might at, not actually be like that. It's just his idea of what the Bill Paxton character is like is the way he behaves in the movie. Just a complete like. Neanderthal, basically. <laughs> That's such a great word for that. Yeah. He's like a surfer Neanderthal. <laughs> yeah, all he cares about is, like, sex and getting drunk. But, no, I, uh, I don't know, final thoughts on Boxing Helena? I, no matter how, uh, I've seen it twice now, in the past two days. Um, no matter how I think about it, I can't fall on whether or not it's an intentionally bad movie or if it's, like, just falling short of what it wants to accomplish. It is a very interesting movie. I'm super glad I saw it. Um, but it's something that's so hard to pinpoint. Like, you can't right. hold this movie in your hand. And that, and that's kind of why I wanted... Why I picked this for a movie of the minute. Because, I don't know, with a lot of campy films, or really bad films, it's just, like, so obvious or so black and white. With this one, there's, like, a lot of gray area of just like is this intentional is it good in that way does it achieve what it set out to did i enjoy it i mean i think i enjoyed it i watched it twice and i was like thoroughly entertained i laughed a lot i laughed a lot like so in that way like super fun kind of movie but i don't know if you could say it's technically good i mean what, it's what like, do you think boxing means in the um title I mean, I assumed it meant, like... Because the cover art for the film is, like, the surgeon kind of with his arms spread out and Helena's, like, inside of a 
literal box. So I kind of took it as just, you know, a metaphor for the whole film. Like containing her? Yeah, containing her. Like he chops off her limbs just to fit her in this little space. And apparently Uh, that um, image is a reference to a piece of fine art. Um, I don't remember who did the piece, but it's not in the film. Like it's like if they had had that scene where they showed him like stretching over that box with her inside of it, I would have been really into it. But that's yeah. not even there. It almost looks like it's like a Jonathan Glazer uh, image where it's like in a void or something. But um, yeah, again, the movie doesn't give you a lot to like decide on what it's even trying to do. No, you're just kind of thrown in there. It's kind of, I mean, it's very unique in that way. Yeah, I definitely have not seen anything quite like it. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention before we go out. Yeah. I read on the IMDb trivia sheet that um, a lot of the scenes in the mansion were filmed in the same house as Driving Miss Daisy. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that adds a whole nother layer. Right. Of, like, what is going on? There's just something, like, really subversive, and it does time capsule, like, 90s, uh, I would say maybe sex thrillers in, like, a weird way. Um, it feels of its time. Yeah, but it's also deeply strange in a way that a lot of those movies aren't. I mean, I think that's partly why I really enjoyed it because I remember growing up, like staying up late watching Cinemax movies that were kind of this like softcore porn, but also like '90s Lifetime movies, but also that David Lynch, like just kind of strange sort of, and it does combine all those in a very, I don't know. It's very entertaining. That's really all I can say. Is like, you should definitely watch it. You will definitely laugh. You will have a good time. You'll remember it. You'll remember it. But I think you'll definitely be scratching your head at the end of it, like, and not really know what to make of it. So, I don't know. Well, thank think, you for that experience. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Awesome. Cool. Now it's time for the Evil Doll uh, Cinema segment of our episode today. Uh, I'm going to try to list chronologically every feature film I could think of that focuses on killer dolls. Uh, Obviously, this is going to be mostly in the horror genre. Um, There's not really that much else to cover uh, in this conversation. Uh, I'm happy to have Brittany Lombus with us here today. Hey! Uh, She, me, and James all started the website about a, a year ago. About a year and a month, mm-hmm. um, so it's great to have the original crew back for reunion. One really weird conversation Woo! about a genre that doesn't get covered that often. Um, so I'm just going to jump right into it. The first feature film I could find that was centered on an evil doll was this movie Devil Doll from 1964. Um, it's about this ventriloquist uh, performer who pretends that he's operating a doll as part of his act. Uh, it turns out that the doll is, in fact, the ghost of a uh, man that he murdered during a war, uh, and that he basically trapped this man's soul in a doll and makes him perform for ham sandwiches and cocktails in front of a large audience. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> ham sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, why, ham's... Like, why, why ham sandwiches? I don't know. Things? There's just this really long, bitter scene where this guy basically makes the doll walk across the stage for a sandwich 
when he could easily just hand it to him, but he makes the doll work for it. And the the reason his act gets uh, famous is because not necessarily that he's making it look like the doll talks, but the doll moves on its own as well, and no one can quite figure out why that happens. And people basically sneak into his dressing room and look uh, for to make sure it's not a robot or uh, just that there's no like trickery going on, because uh, no one can figure out exactly how this doll's moving on its no, own. No, that doll's just alive. Right, exactly. And that's, that's exactly what uh, happens, is that it turns out that this doll is just a trapped soul from a murder. Or is it just like a powerful ham sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really enticing ham sandwich that just yeah. brings Hypnotizes uh, him. dolls to life. I'd work for a ham sandwich. <laughs> um, we were just talking a minute ago before we started recording that uh, there are earlier instances of evil dolls in cinema. Yeah, like uh, there's a Twilight Zone episode I remember from back in the day that had a very similar premise to uh, Devil Doll. Right. Um, and it, and the, ventriloquism, the ventriloquism part of this story is pretty common to a lot of Evil Doll movies. Uh, I don't know if it started with the Twilight Zone episode. There's this other movie for, uh, called Dead of the Night that's an anthology film with a ventriloquist act in it um, from 1945. Uh, I don't know why this is such a common trope, but... Uh, the ventriloquist doll that actually happens to be someone trapped inside a doll's body seems to be a very common uh, approach to the genre. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into it as we go along, but, like, it seems like there's not a whole lot to really do with, you know, dolls that come to life. <laughs> pretty much, uh, I don't know, that first one kind of set the the standard. And it's not very uh, well-respected movie either. Like, it showed up in Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is probably the reason it's best known. Uh, and, as you know, they basically just riff on the film uh, for the entire hour and a half and make fun of it. Uh, and it really doesn't have that much to it. Basically, this doll is evil uh, because it's possessed by somebody who isn't alive anymore. And that's what makes it a freaky movie. Uh, the second film on the list uh, was actually a suggestion from Brittany, um, and this co- technically constitutes as a spoiler, uh, so I'm going to let her introduce it. Um, it's from 1975. It's the uh, the Stepford Wives movie, based on a novel by Ira Levin. How is it a spoiler? Because, okay, you're not supposed to know that they're dolls. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. But they are. But, but they're mannequins! <laughs> right. So basically these... Uh, <laughs> These husbands uh, are conspiring to replace their wives with these, like, automaton sex dolls that, like... Yeah. But... Is that a spoiler? I mean, doesn't... It's a spoiler, I would say, in the sixth, in the 70s, probably more of a spoiler than it is now. I believe yeah. if you mention the Stepford Wives, most people would know that twist. But uh, when it was released in the 70s, that was a huge deal. You're basically trying to figure out what happens the entire time. And you don't find out to the very end. Right. Yeah. I mean... I was thinking about this on my way over here. Where okay, so they there's that guy Diz, <laughs> which they call him Diz because he used to work at Disney World, right? And he would make like I guess the Disney World robots. Yeah, he's like this mad scientist. Yeah, part of the Men's Association. <laughs> and um, I don't know, like, were they all animatronic, or were they? Did he like capture their souls inside the mannequins? Because there's that part of the end where it's like the main character sees her mannequin. 
I guess, like, she knows, like, oh, well, I'm probably gonna die, and this one's gonna be me, and its eyes are black. Right. But then, later on, they show her looking normal with normal eyeballs and everything like that in the grocery store. So the grocery store at the end, I believe yeah. that is her replaced with the mannequin. Right. And the interesting thing is that uh, in the novel, it's really ambiguous what's going on. Yeah. Uh, at the end, she basically gets stabbed, and uh, when, she's, when she gets stabbed, there's no blood. And that's how she figures out she's not real. Uh, in the movie, which I think is actually a better ending than the book, she, like you said, she finds herself in her own bedroom, and yeah. she's got those black eyes, and her body is like more sexual than it normally is. Like her boobs are bigger, and she's like dressed in like lingerie with like just like a silk scarf, and then she strangles the real girl, right? With, and there's like a stocking, maybe, or like a chiffon scarf, right? But yeah. So basically, it's like this feminist uh, suspense movie. Where it's revealed at the end that these women are being replaced by perfect machine versions of themselves to like be- become better wives, uh, and the men are somehow convinced that this is a better option than being married to a human woman. Yeah, evil dolls. <laughs> I'm really glad you you asked me to include that just because like I never would have thought of it, but you're right; it does fit yeah, in the genre. It does. Okay, and the third movie on the list is from 1978. It's a film directed by David Attenborough's brother, Richard Attenborough, who uh, just passed away a couple years ago. Uh, he's the guy from Jurassic Park with the amethyst uh, cane. And he was the... He was in Seance in a Wet Afternoon. Oh, uh, Seance in a Wet Afternoon? Yeah. I actually didn't see that, but oh. you, you, you reviewed it for the site. Yeah. He looks super weird in it. Like, you think it's him. <laughs> well, he, record, he uh, directed this film with Anthony Hopkins called Magic... Uh, Anthony Hopkins is a ventriloquist uh, performer, uh, another one of those. Uh, basically, he's convinced that this doll is real um, and bas- and thinks that the doll is controlling him and making him kill people, but there's no confirmation in the film that the doll is actually real. It's actually like a... Uh, it's more of a suspense film than a horror film. Like you feel bad for this person as his mind unravels and he can't handle reality and he basically just lives his life through this doll who has a very like strong sexual and murderous id. Uh, have have all, either y'all seen Magic before? So I no. did not think I saw that until you described it and now I remember it from watching it when I was a kid and it's ba- yeah, it's more like a psychological horror than a straight up horror film. Like, it's all in, in the dude's head, like you said. Uh, but I, don't, I saw that when I was, like, a kid. Like, it's been so long, but I definitely do remember that. Uh, I'd say more so than any other film on this list. It's just a profoundly sad movie. Uh, his um, manager, who's supposed to make him famous and get him on, like, The Tonight Show with his ventriloquist act, is Burgess Meredith. Mm-hmm. And Burgess mm-hmm. Meredith uh, has this really... Um, tender scene where he tells uh, Anthony Hopkins um, if you can go without letting the doll speak for five minutes if the two of us can just sit here in silence for five minutes without the doll speaking I will not send you to a psychiatrist but I do think you need help and Anthony Hopkins just can't do it like they sit there for maybe 30 seconds and he's like how long has it been Uh, and then the doll just suddenly comes with a torrent of terrible ventriloquist jokes (laughs) and then as Burgess Meredith is running off to the psychiatrist, uh, Anthony Hopkins is instructed to murder him. 
And that's basically like the whole unraveling of the film. And it is very sad. And I would say that the, the probably the more accurate um, interpretation of the film is that the doll is not real uh, and that it is all in his head. But the film does have this sort of like uh, way of suggesting that there is an element of magic going on. And it's right there in the title that the, that this doll is magically controlling him. Um, but there's no confirmation either way, which makes it kind of a rewarding watch. Uh, and then the uh, fourth <laughs> option on the list, um, James and I have not seen this, but Brittany has. Yeah. I sent you this trailer a little while ago. It's a film from 1979 called The Tourist Trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you describe this for us? <laughs> well, speaking of magic, it's got a little magic in it, but um, it's basically about these group of teenagers that go on their little road trip and their car breaks down and they find a tourist trap on the side of the road. Um, not on the side of the road, but like kind of like off the interstate. Um, and there's a psycho <laughs> that lives in this like colonial style house and it's a chock full of mannequins, but all different kinds of mannequins. Like, you know, you Sears department store mannequins with real hair. But then, like, mannequins that are just, like, have the sort of painted hair, retro, <laughs> chiseled faces and stuff like that. Um, and there's this guy in the house that has this... It looks like he either skinned someone and put their face on his face, or he made his own mannequin face. I'm not quite sure. Like, I'm trying to, like... So the vibe I got <laughs> was that he is trying to be a doll himself? Kind of trying to be a doll, but then, like, he start Like, you find out that he is killing people and turning them into mannequins. Um, but he's also magical. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he has, like, these sort of, like... like Tele- telekinetic mm-hmm. powers. So the mannequins move on their own. Right, but he, like, can do other stuff. Like, he can, you know, move things, but then it's like, they kind of come to life and they start talking, and they have these, like, little light lady voices, like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they, they um, talk like that. <laughs> Do they say words, or they just sing to the they, victim? They whisper the victim's names, like, hey, like, they'd be like, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon. But there's, um, there's not a lot of men. There's, like, a couple of male mannequins, which is pretty cool. But it's mostly hot teenagers being destroyed yes. by these evil magical mannequins. And he, and he, like he, um, one of the girls are trying to like escape the house, like one of the teenagers, um, and he's like chasing them <laughs> through like the woods at night, going, "Little girl, come play with me, come play with me and my friends." But he has this creepy, like raspy, like old dude voice. I don't know. It's very creepy, <laughs> but it's got a, little, a lot of magic in it. Just that four-minute trailer, I was profoundly creeped out by this film, yeah. which is why I sent it, was, it to you immediately. <laughs> it was so. It was really scary. I think because it was so poorly done, it seemed more realistic. Like there weren't any like you know special effects that you know oh that's a special effect. It's like oh shit. You got kind of like a feeling that you shouldn't be watching it almost. Right. <laughs> like I was peeking in on something. That was just going on next door, and that's that's kind of a um, '70s vibe, mm-hmm. like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it was. It reminded me of kind of Texas Chainsaw a lot because the mannequins are kind of like his makeshift family that yes. he lives alone with, his, all his skin and stuff. <laughs> so, and then he, you know, he's chasing the girl at night in the woods, like Leatherface. Um, what does yeah. he kill people with? Um, <laughs> can I do that? Is there like a spoiler thing? No, go for oh. it. Oh. 
um, his powers. Like, one girl... <laughs> one girl's got a scarf, and he walks in, and the scarf starts choking her. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then she, like, slowly becomes a mannequin. And then he's trapped this other girl, and he's got her tied in his basement, and he puts plaster all over her face, and he's like, ooh, you're gonna be suffocating soon. No. And then she dies like that, becomes a mannequin. Um, Wait, yeah. so, okay, I have a question. Yeah. After they he turns them into mannequins, and basically... Since it's a slasher film, it, mm-hmm. people drop off one by one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, after he turns them into mannequins, do the surviving members have to, like, live among the mannequins of their dead friends? Um, what ha- there's There's one surviving member. Okay. And, you know, he catches her by herself in a room, and, I mean, his house is, I mean, I'm talking chock full of mannequins, like, lined in the hallways, <laughs> all in the rooms, and they all start doing the, ah, noises, and they do it, like, in harmony, what? to where it sounds like little... Little evil angels, like, ah. like they're doing that, and then he comes in, and um, you find out that he um, he did this sort of murder, turn you into a mannequin deal to his wife. So he's dancing with his mannequin wife, and the girl grabs an axe and puts it straight through his head, killing him, and then she escapes. And she takes all her mannequin friends with her into their cool little convertible Jeep <laughs> car and they drive away into the sunset and she's smiling. And that's how that ends. <laughs> that sounds insane. Um, and then in 1987, uh, there's this movie called Dolls from the evil genius uh, Charles Band. Uh, I feel like this is opening a whole Pandora- Pandora's box. Um, he has gone on to make so many doll movies that I don't even want to like... <laughs> even open this box but he made uh, Puppet Master which is like nine yes. of those uh, he made Demonic Toys which is at least, at least three of those mm-hmm. uh, he has one about a rapping doll called Ragdoll he has one about uh, this <laughs> human man who's shrunken down a doll size called Doll Man like, this <laughs> list just goes on forever I'm not even going to talk about it all but uh, the first one's called Dolls and it's uh, basically these um, young hitchhiking punks are um, staying in this evil mansion overnight. Uh, there's also a lonely man who picked them up, uh, who they're kind of teasing him sexually uh, in order to steal his wallet, and that's like their whole. Um, that's kind of their whole game. Uh, and then there's a newlywed couple with a daughter they really don't want around. Um, and the two people who own this mansion. Uh, kind of fall in love with the um, guy who picked up the hitchhikers and the little girl who's not wanted because they both have a child's imagination. But the two girl punks and the uh, couple who can't stand each other um, basically are considered to be evil. So these uh, these mad scientist couple, they make their dolls come to life, murder the people they don't like, turn them into dolls... And then uh, give them as gifts to the uh, two people that they thought were worthwhile to live. Uh, that's the whole movie. It goes by very briskly. If you've ever seen a Charles Band movie, they all play out almost exactly the same. Uh, I'm sure at, le- at least y'all have seen a Puppet Master movie or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. De- I'm just wondering, like, some directors, you know, other movies deal with, like, loss and or whatever. Why is this guy so obsessed with, like, Dolls, like what is in his in his past? Like he's on this one track mind. It's uh, fascinating. 
Do you think there's... I'm going to go ahead and just put this out there. What if he always wanted one, but his parents were like, you're a little boy, and little boys don't get dolls. So he's like, well, I'm going to make movies about them. (laughs) For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, they're going to be mean. You know? (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be some sort of, like, childhood trauma there. And there might be something to that in uh, Puppet Master and Demonic Toys, because they are not... um, you know, like the porcelain feminine dolls you would picture. Like, they're yeah. more like... Uh, Gross. There's yeah. this guy with, like, scissor hands. Yeah. He's, like, the main guy. <laughs> uh, there's this, like, evil bear with, like, metal, like... It basically, his teeth is a bear trap. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's that action figure. There's, like, a robot. Right. And <laughs> they are this. They are very hyper-masculine, like, doll toys. Yeah. Uh, in oh. the movie Dolls, it's a little different, because it is a little girl's perspective, and mm-hmm. there are, like, these little porcelain dolls. Uh, her dad gets turned into a Punch and Judy... Uh, Dolly gets turned into Punch, uh, which I guess is kind of a messed up um, take on his relationship with his newlywed wife, oh how, how they have kind of a physically combative aspect of the relationship. <laughs> but uh, also just, honestly, he's such a cheap director, like, Charles Band movies are fun, but they go by very quickly, you don't really learn anything, like, <laughs> they're they're all stop motion animation, which I enjoy watching, but it's kind of crudely done. Uh, and you can tell when he cares and when he doesn't care. Like, if they're just slapping a movie together in a weekend, it, it, uh, you can feel it. Um, I would say, like, dolls, maybe a couple of the Puppet Masters, uh, demonic toys, do feel like he put some kind of effort into it. It's not like Evil Bong 3, where, he, like, you can tell he just did not care at all. Um, <laughs> and also, he's on that Elvira, uh, he has, like, some deal with Elvira on Hulu right now, where Elvira, like, you remember she had that comeback last year? Okay. Uh, she basically just watched a bunch of Charles Band movies. Like, they had some kind of, like, deal where, um, she got access to Full Moon features and... Okay. Okay. So it's possible that if you wanted to watch a few of these, you might be able to watch them with Elvira, uh, Elvira talking over top of them. Um, do y'all have anything else to say about the Puppet Master or Evil Dolls? Hmm. Well, what, what was the Puppet Master movie... I think it was in number five oh, that we geez. watched that took place in, it was like in Germany. That might uh, be the third one. Uh, there, there's so many. I feel like... Well, the, is, there no, is there nine? There's there's a lot. There might be nine. That sounds about right. Um, Jesus. And you, I think you can get like the full nine movie set for like five bucks or something <laughs> ridiculous. I bought it at Rouse's, like a grocery store of all places. Uh... But I do remember when we watched the first three, there was kind of a trajectory where the first one was really bland, mm-hmm. and then the second one got a little better, and then the third one was set in Nazi Germany, where it was actually like kind of an okay movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the one I remember. It was like, that was actually pretty good for a Puppet Master movie. And then but Demonic Toys, the first one's pretty good. Uh, I like Demonic Toys, too, yeah. Demonic Toys, I'm trying to think. Is that the one where they're, like, stuck in that warehouse? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's this, like, new wave punk girl who, like, crawls around yes. the air shaft. Yes. And there's, like, the security guard. Isn't he? Yeah. Okay. It's I think that's another one where the girl's, like, leading the, some guy on for some reason. <laughs> uh, and then she just crawls around the air shaft to escape these dolls or, like, squat in this warehouse. I don't even yeah. really know what's going on. <laughs> there's some kind of cop drama. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Now, I'm thinking Dollman. Was is this like a little cop I think that gets so. shrunken down in like a dump? Okay. That sounds accurate. I don't know if I've ever seen Dollman. 
I've definitely seen a trailer for it. I've and just it's... seen this little man in like a dumpster. Like I think I've seen this. If that's it. it. That sounds that sounds like it could be right. And just like every Charles Band movie, there's like multiple doll yeah. man movies. Yeah. Like, uh... <laughs> so sad. I mean, all of this stuff goes straight to video, so mm-hmm. he like has no pressure to make money off of any of these. Um, I guess they all yeah. work out over time that he like makes enough money. He's all about a good time. <laughs> he really is. Okay. Uh, like <laughs> I said, we could parties. we could probably do a whole <laughs> hour on just Charles Band doll movies. Um, but let's move on. Uh, Nineteen eighty-eight. There's this movie called Pin. Um, have either of y'all seen Pin before? Okay, yeah. Brittany, you definitely have to see this. Okay. Uh, it's Basically, this kid uh, is sexually repressed. His daughter has... uh, His dad... (laughs) Sorry. His dad is a doctor who has this anatomically correct um, doll that looks like an inside-out man. So you can see all his veins and stuff. But he also has an erect penis for displaying what sex is like. But it's all veiny and stuff? You don't actually get to see the penis. penis. Gross. Unfortunately, because <laughs> that would make it even more terrifying. Yes. Uh, so the dad has this doll, and he gives his kid lectures through the doll. Like, he does this kind of ventriloquist act where the doll talks to them, and the doll's name is Pin. The kid accidentally sees his dad's assistant having sex with this doll. Oh! And it scars him for God. life. So every time he thinks about sex, he freaks out. When his sister becomes of age in high school, and she starts to have sex... He can't handle it and basically beats up every uh, person that touches her sexually. And then, <laughs> to comfort himself, he goes to talk to Pin and he starts doing Pin's voice because to him, Pin is real. This movie is absolutely horrifying. He's in love with his sister. Oh. He can't deal with no. sex at all. Oh, no. Pin is his best friend. <laughs> he starts dressing Pin up and gives Pin human skin. So that he's not inside out anymore. Well, it's kind of kind. <laughs> no, yeah, he's it's like helping sweet. Pin out. Yeah, he just wants him to be real. Oh my god! So, I mean, does Pin move at all, or it's just no? Okay, he just sits completely still. He sits. He's not standing. Uh, can he do both? I think you can position him to stand, but I believe okay. most of the film is just him sitting with like great posture, with like his hands on his lap and just staring straight forward blankly, and his lap is covered with a. D- because apparently, giant apparently penis, he has yeah. like a normal penis uh-huh. uh, protruding from his crotch. Hmm. Uh, I really don't even know what to say about this movie. It's just deeply uncomfortable when you watch it, um, and it's super cheap. It feels like it could have been like Lifetime or Cinemax or something. Excellent. Um, and it's just it's it's definitely like a psychological horror. Yeah. Like uh, there are a couple deaths in the film, but it's not like a slasher movie by any means. It's just this kid is obsessed with this doll and can't get <laughs> past this like one sexual trauma he had where he had saw somebody have sex with it <laughs> i'll mess you up dude. i have like goosebumps just hearing about yeah. it yeah yeah is it weird that i really want to see that movie yeah. i recommend it it's if nothing else it's not a like great movie but it is something that will haunt you forever <laughs> you just can't get the image out of this of this doll out of your head uh, and also from 1988, uh, probably the, if you said Evil Doll out loud, probably the most easily recognizable film in the genre was Child's Play, uh, the Chucky movies. Does anybody know how many Chucky movies there are? Mm, like 
Is it up to four now? Well, they had... No, there's more than They four. had a recent one. Right, the seed. Like, they get to, like, Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. Yeah. That's kind of why I lose track of it. There's at least five. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, the first one, Brad Dourif is a criminal. He uh, gets sucked into this doll's body and then haunts this kid. The second one is about the factory where they make the dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my favorite one. It's got Beth Grant in it as, like, yeah. his, uh, his teacher. Um... The third one, the kid's all grown up and goes to military school, and Chucky sort of crashes the party there. Doesn't he get, like, shipped to him? Yeah. Or something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does it, that has a really messed up scene, too, where they're, like, supposed to be shooting, I think, paintballs at each other as, like, a mock exercise, and Chucky just goes and puts real bullets <laughs> in the guns, and they're just, like, shooting each other. But I do agree with you, the second child's play is awesome. Like, it's one of the few sequels I can think of that just, like, blows the first one out the water. Yeah, the it's second really one's... really awesome. It's a lot more playful. It's kind of like how uh, the Freddy Krueger movies got more into, like, slapstick comedy as they went along. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, around Dream Warriors, it was, like, a really weird mix of just, like, nasty deaths and, like, yeah. weird humor. It hits a good kind of in-between. He's, like, playful and he cracks one-liners, but it's not like the later ones where it's all one big joke. Now, I feel like you've seen Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, but I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen either of those. I saw them when they came out, initially. So, it's all pretty blurry, but I I know they're both super stupid. Like, there's like a a weird Britney Spears car explosion. (laughs) I think it's in Seed of Chucky. Like, silly (laughs) stuff like that. Like, it's not a horror movie at all anymore. Jennifer Tilly plays herself. Yes. And she marries Chucky. And turns... Into a, into a doll. So the storyline there is like he uh, obviously bride Chucky, and then what? They have a child. How did the? I guess the two dolls have sex. It, it starts to go into this um, area that's just like beyond physics. Like I, I think they have sex, and then they have a doll baby. Is that what? I don't remember. I just remember the explosion. Okay, I have a question. Do you remember? <laughs> Do you remember John Waters being in the movie? Because apparently he's in one of those two movies. He's in The Seed. He's in The Seed of Chucky? Yeah. What does he do? I <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, I've never seen these two films. I know in uh, the Hairspray remake with John Travolta, he shows up as like a flasher, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's probably something along those lines. He's probably some kind of like sexual demon yeah. that like pops in for like a quick cameo. Um, I probably should watch them. They sound profoundly silly. Yeah. Like, how do they have a baby? We don't really even know See, the answer to this. Oh. It's a weird comparison, oh like, the Child's Play movies and Nightmare on Elm Street, because, like, Nightmare on Elm Street did get really funny for a little bit with, like, Freddy Krueger cracking jokes, and then it started to get more serious towards the end, mm-hmm. whereas it seems Child's Play just has followed that trajectory of just, like, getting less and less serious yeah. with each movie. So, I don't know if they made one after Seed of Chucky, but I'm sure it's, like, even more ridiculous than what came before it. Well, the difference might be just, like, a guiding hand from a director, because I know Wes Craven Mm. did uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street. He did Dream Warriors, which Mm -hmm. is, like, a good one. And then he did New Nightmare, uh, which is also a really great one. And those three, they have some comedy elements, but they're definitely more serious than, like, just Freddy going around saying bitch all the time. Yeah. I don't feel like Child's Play has, like... Can you even name who directed any of these movies? No. No, Not at all. No. So, so it probably is, like, different directors. Right, it probably changes one. hands a lot. Um, I don't see any, like, guiding force here. 
Yeah. I guess what I'm thinking of is I didn't find Child's Play to be very terrifying. I guess because you know that he it's like this guy with a greasy ponytail soul. Yeah. A, you know, like it's, yeah. a, it's a human soul in a, in a toy. It's not like some demon, you know. So it's almost like, it's oh, just a, it's just this, this it's weird It's just a dude man. In, a, in a doll, yeah. Yeah, like it's not, you know, some demon that we're unfamiliar with or Satan or something cool like that. It's just this guy. So it's a little less scary. Especially, like, as you move into the sequels. Because mm-hmm. the first one you do know that it's a guy. But the guy, like, the way they make... Okay, the child, the child's doll is very innocent looking. And then he just yeah. gets fucking pissed off whenever the guy, like, comes alive inside of it. And that, like, angry face he makes... He gets all wrinkly. Yeah, yeah it's creepy. Yeah. It just I, doesn't yeah. look right. His teeth get gappier, too. You know, I think another reason why a lot of people think fondly of the child's play is... I remember, like, growing up during that time period, there was the My Buddy doll, mm-hmm. which yeah. I don't know if y'all... I, I had, had Yeah, I had one. I had a big sister doll, but so, she was, like, toddler size. So it's... I don't know, my memories are kind of linked, like, watching Child's Play and also having that doll, mm-hmm. and then starting to think, like, wait a second, like, this doll might actually, like, try to kill me in my in sleep <laughs> or something, and that's why I think it's really effective. And yeah. it's probably the kind of horror movie you saw before you should have. Like, it's probably playing on TV, you saw it too young. My The first two movies I've ever saw when I was a kid were Nightmare on Elm Street 5... And Child's Play. Is that the one where she's pregnant with the baby? Uh. Yeah. The one I thought was so great and then we watched it and it was like actually one of the worst ones. Worst ones. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's not a cool movie to watch when you're a kid. No. <laughs> and that's probably why you remembered it being so great. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I'm talking about Child's Play oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, I've watched that again recently and it. Oh, it's good. The first two are both really good, especially the second one, so... I will also say before we move on, just like the special effects in Child's Play are like probably top notch compared to most of the, like uh, like in the Charles Band movies, for instance. Like, <laughs> well, you can tell it's like night and day right there, kind of this like stop motion uh, thing. But there's some kind of animatronic element to Child's Play where like even now it's kind of weird how like natural it is for that ineffective. Yeah, yeah. Cause I guess if they did it now, they try to do it with like CGI or. Sign, but it's so much better just having like the puppet or whatever. So, mm-hmm. well, it also sounds like we should probably watch the two most recent ones because they're probably very silly and probably do have a little CGI. But no. I'm just guessing. <laughs> so the next movie is profoundly uh, influenced by Child's Play. It's this film uh, from 1991 called Dolly Dearest. Uh, you make an emotion like you've seen this one before. Yes, I saw it. Um... Actually, like, two weeks ago. Oh, weird. Pretty fresh from mine. Okay. Yeah. So this one has Rip Torn in it. It's <laughs> yeah. about this uh, archaeological dig in Mexico uh, where this um, ghost from a Mayan cult is released from the <laughs> earth and possesses a doll factory. Uh and this little girl adopts one of the dolls. It's a doll factory with like ten dolls in it for a good while. Like, there's not a lot of them for like this like crazy like mass-producing factory, right? Which is really strange because it's an abandoned factory, right? Which, <laughs> yeah, next to like a yeah, next little, to like an old Mayan the ruins. Thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of a weird film. I think there are a few scenes that stick out very strongly, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a good movie. Um. I thought, I liked it, I think, because it, it's got, like, 
you know, a child that's sort of giving in to this, like, demonic doll, and it's not, and it's a demonic doll, I think it's, like, some sort of, like, devil spirit or something like that. Yeah. It's from a Mayan cult, is how they explain it. Like a satanic Mayan cult. Right. So... And I think it's it's just creepy how like this little girl gives into it and like has little secret tea parties with it in her little dollhouse and you can hear the doll whispering to her, but she gets the Chucky face. This doll, yeah, the doll, I, the, okay. the wrinkly old face when she gets angry. This film is definitely like just kind of just weaning off some Chucky vibes, absolutely on purpose. Like, yeah, uh, it's got like the the murderous soul trapped in a doll's mm-hmm. body. Uh, the little kid is like a main focus. Yeah, um, trying to like corrupt this kid. I think you're right though. There is like something interesting in those tea party scenes where the doll yeah. like, teaches her how to manipulate her parents. <laughs> it's so, like great. <laughs> so like the mom's like, "Hey, uh, this doll's creeping me out," and then uh, the doll tells the girl to like basically manipulate her and be like, "Actually, I just really need a friend right now, and this doll's here for me." So she like plays the mom's heartstrings until it's too late, and the doll's like stealing her daughter's soul. Right. <laughs> there are a few good uh, scenes, I think. Uh, the scene where the dolls give the drunk um, <laughs> warehouse worker a heart attack is yeah. pretty sick. Uh, you can see his heart like failing inside of his chest, which is a really nasty like gore effect. Um, it's cool that there are ten dolls in the factory. It would have been better if they would have like ate his heart or something. You <laughs> that would have been so good. It was just like, eh, okay. I mean, but I agree. It was a pretty, pretty insane heart attack. Um... But yeah, I like the, um, when the, I guess she was their maid? When she gets electrocuted in the basement? Oh, yeah. Beautiful. And she's great. Like, uh, basically, uh, their caretaker for the kids, um, is this, like, really devout Catholic who, Mm -hmm. like, wants to battle these dolls through, like, rosary counting. Yeah. And then very early in the movie, the doll's like, I'm not handling this, and just kills her immediately. The, um, I can't think of the woman's name, but she was, um... Carlos's mother in the Desperate Housewives series. Oh, that's the same lady? Yep. Okay. <laughs> She's really fun. It's kind of sad like that she has to so early. Yeah. Um, but it is also cool that they... There aren't a lot of deaths in the film, uh, but it is cool that they like dispense with somebody so soon. You're like, oh, there's some real stakes here. Like, this doll's not just creepy. It's like willing to murder people. And she has like these little, like, little tappy shoes. So whenever <laughs> she's like sort of chasing, you know, the... I guess her victims to kill him. It's like, yeah, and they do that. They do that like doll cam where like the camera's really low on the ground and you watch it sneaking around. Yeah, it's like through the doll's eyes. Yeah, kind of like Puppet Master did that. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's like most of Doll Master is like through the puppet's eyes from the ground up. And then from 1996, there's this movie called Pinocchio's Revenge. None of us have seen this. I'm guessing. I think I've seen that, actually. Okay, I watched the trailer today. Let me describe (laughs) it to you and see if you remember this. Okay. This guy goes on trial for murdering his son. Uh, He's caught at the scene of the crime. Buried next to him is this Pinocchio doll. Yes, yes, this is the movie, dude. You've seen this? Yeah, I saw it a few years ago. It was like late night. I was in like Fort Worth, and it was like came on at like two in the morning and it is i haven't seen the charles band mm-hmm. films but it's definitely on that level of evil doll movies it is basically whenever the pinocchio attacks they have no like budget at all so you could tell they just 
took this puppet and just threw it at the <laughs> actors. So the actors just grab it and they're acting like it's choking them or whatever. Like, no budget, no special effects, very few actual death scenes. It's so lame. It's boring. It's awful. It really, it's, it's very bad. Okay, so just like the plot <laughs> contrivance from the trailer, like, they find the It doll- makes no sense. There's no real, ever any explanation of what really happened they find the doll buried next to the guy, right? Right. The doll's evidence in a murder trial for a child. Uh, before it gets destroyed, uh, his defending attorney... I'm guessing he died on death row. They don't really explain what happened to the guy in the trailer. Uh, but basically his uh, defending attorney, who didn't get him free from these murder uh, accusations, um, her daughter is gifted this doll... As like right. a, uh, as just like a birthday gift, and it looks like the most typical Pinocchio illustration you could possibly think of. Like, uh, it's it's very different from every other doll on this list. And what and what the film does, it's really lame. Is like in an attempt to build the tension, it like waits a really long time to reveal that the doll is actually possessed. So like for an hour of the film, she just the doll like doesn't move, Ugh. and it's like, give me something, dude. Like, That's give the me some point. hint, and then and then it finally happens, and all they do is like zoom in, and the doll like makes like a grimace and like shows its teeth, but it never really moves in any convincing way, and it's just That's really disappointing. It's so disappointing. It really is like I remember the cover of this movie at the video store. Yeah. And it was always kind of like Leprechaun, and then so the Gingerbread Man, and then there was Pinocchio's Revenge, and he looked like really evil and kind of cool on the cover. So, by the way, Gingerbread Man, Charles Band. Oh God, was it? Is that the Gary Busey? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And there is a Gingerbread Man versus Evil Bong crossover. Whoa. Whoa. There might even be like a like a demonic toys crossover with Gingerbread Man as well just cause like this guy what does not give a shit what is this guy doing man <laughs> he's got hundreds of movies and they, he just doesn't give a shit like, he, he just... sounds like Morty uh, Morty Feynman oh Morty Feynman <laughs> yeah. from The Independent with his shit ton of movies yeah Jerry Stiller <laughs> uh, I'm interested that you've seen Pinocchio's Revenge cause I didn't think any of us had, could possibly have seen a movie that shitty it's really <laughs> shitty uh, it is <laughs> the one thing that stuck out to me in the trailer was like the way the doll got released um, to be able to become animated was that she cut his his marionette strings, which I haven't seen in any of these other films. Set him free. Yep, it's actually set him free. <laughs> it's kind of sweet. Um, uh, and then there was an eight year break before the next one that I could find, which was uh, what happened to the evil? <laughs> I don't the know. Eight eight years, man. Come Probably on. everyone got tired of seeing these ventriloquist movies over and over again. What was Charles Band doing? Uh, actually, you know what? The eight-year break was probably all Charles Band. <laughs> right. And the Chucky movie. Like the sequels, oh, you're maybe. right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. He stole yeah. the show for a while. Totally. And he didn't even stop till well into the 2000s. So. He might not have stopped forever. <laughs> yeah, it could still be going on. Uh, the next one I found was a South Korean movie called Doll Master. Um, basically, this guy's in love with a woman. Uh, she has a doll that's made in her likeness. Uh, when... Ugh. She dies, he's accused of murdering her, which is not true. Um, her soul gets trapped in the doll's body, and then uh, 
he's basically killed as vengeance for um, her murder that he didn't commit. Uh, the doll lives on and decides to kill her enti- uh, the entire bloodline of the people that have murdered his um, his his beloved. Oh, <laughs> it's a very strange film. It's a little uh, romantic. Yeah, it's romantic. Um, basically, though, all these teens they get killed like what, whatever it is, like a hundred years later, um, had nothing to do with this murder that happened earlier. Well, that's not nice. Right. Okay. Um, and it's it not has, romantic. It has this weird mythology about like how to kill a doll who's been possessed by a soul. You have to like stab its eyes and then decapitate it. Uh, That's cool. And once a doll has a soul, it has like a human surrogate. So like, say, say you were not a person, you were a doll. <laughs> you'd have the little tiny like ten inch version of yourself. That's your original self, but you've been possessed by a soul. So that's what you are. So if I destroyed the doll, then you would just disappear. Kind of like a voodoo doll type thing. That yeah, it's like an astral projection voodoo Whoa. doll situation. Okay. Um, and all these kids uh, show up at this muse- at this doll museum to like, uh, basically they think they have modeling contracts where oh, they're gonna God. have dolls made in their likeness, but really this evil doll from like way back is trying to kill them to uh, avenge some murder they had nothing to do with. <laughs> it's it's a really like bloody weird movie. Um, it's not particularly worth seeking out. It's not like I can't recommend it as like some crazy horror movie you've never seen before. But if you are interested in tracking down like every evil doll movie, I- I'd say don't skip this one. Like it's it's kind of a it's it's a weird outlier. Like, just in case you're interested. Just in case you want to watch every evil doll movie ever made, you should check this one. Out. It's possible that someone would be interested in that. I mean, I try. I I went through this phase a couple years ago, and Annabelle came out, and we're gonna talk mm. about Annabelle in a minute. Mm. Um, because the director of Dead Silence, which was the next uh, movie on the list from 2007, uh, his name is James Wan. Uh, he is almost like a Charles Band type. Uh, he's made a bunch of films that sort of fall under this umbrella. Um, Dead Silence is another ventriloquist act uh, movie uh, about this woman with a hundred, with exactly 100 ventriloquist dolls that she gets buried with. And then kind of the same way uh, as in the South Korean Doll Master film, uh, she avenges her own death uh, through these dolls. Doesn't um, she become a doll? She kind turns of? her victims into dolls. She wants her body when she's buried to be turned to into a, a doll. doll. She's like just obsessed is. with everyone becoming dolls. Mary Shaw. Mary Shaw. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And it's something else. It's like uh, a it's rhyme. Like when you scream, she'll cut out your tongue or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. <it's> like, <laughs> I can't think of it. There's this part in there, and I don't know, like, when I saw it in theaters, because I saw it multiple times in theaters when it came out, because I was in high school, and it was a scary movie, and it mm-hmm. was cool. Um, but then I got it on DVD, and I can't think of which version, but there's one where, like, Mary Shaw's, like, her ghost is going around the, the main character and she has like all these tongues stacked uh, on her tongue sick. and she's doing like weird tongue stuff uh, I just bought this DVD from a thrift store like Go a on. month ago and it's the unrated version <laughs> uh, so that's definitely in there it ha- yeah that might be it but it's hard to DVD remember thing. everything that even happens because the movie's packed with like spooky houses mm-hmm. uh, curses 
um, some kind of like cop drama, murders. murders. <laughs> it's a really fun movie, and I yeah. almost feel like this guy grew up watching Charles Band films because mm-hmm. it feels like kind of an homage to like every Charles Band movie I could think of, and he covers like such a weird uh, variety of evil doll movies. Uh, the fact that he, that she's obsessed with turning people into dolls and like rips out their bottom jaw so she can move it like a ventriloquist yeah. act is really messed up. Um, uh, saves their little tongues to make her super big. <laughs> she like highlanders their tongues. Yeah, just keep stacking them. Uh, and then James Wan's also moved on to do a bunch of other evil doll stuff. Uh, the mm-hmm. Saw series, he has that Billy doll. Ugh. Uh, I've maybe seen one of those. I'm not really interested in them. It's just a bunch of gore, but not even good gore. It's torture porn, right? Yeah, pretty much. I swear, if I hear, like, one person say, like, let's play a game one more time, I'm gonna explode. Because, like, I feel like, I don't know, there's a weird sort of group of people, or, like, I can't even explain it, that are really into the Saw movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know what there I mean? There is a huge... Like, the following, following. of It's like the Eli Roth like, fans. Yeah, kind of. And they do the... Ugh. I mean, I've seen... I think I've seen the first... The first two, and, like, there are some... There's some really sick stuff in there. I yeah. mean, like, someone falls into a, like, pit of hy- hypodermic needles. That's the and, only thing I remember from the... Remember do you remember... You remember yeah. that? Because that's su- rough. Super messed up. I mean, but... Like I a, don't get any enjoyment like out of watching scene that. scene where they... they like juice all these pigs these dead pigs this man's like drowning and all their gross so this is what aggravates me about the hypodermic needles right (laughs) so I believe this is the second one which is the only one I saw at the movies it might be the only one I've ever seen Mm -hmm. Uh, this girl falls in the pit it's full of needles very gross she has to crawl out of it and there's just like more and more needles going into her and then at the end of the film, it's revealed that she was in on it with the killer his name is Jigsaw why would you put yourself why would you put yourself through that yeah, the whole thing was like she's an ex-drug addict, so this oh. is her like punishment or whatever. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, but there is a doll in the movie called Billy, who shows up on the screens and. Yeah. I mean, I'll say when I saw the first one, I was like, that oh, was a pretty good horror movie, but it subsequently just got like. How many are there? Six, I'm, five or six. I want to say that like isn't like Chester Bennington. Um, from Lincoln, of Lincoln Park. Park fame? He's in one of them. He's in one of the last ones. Um, uh, Which is the only it. reason I'll watch either one of them. Is that, yeah. the, is that the guy who directed the Lincoln Park movie? No, that's oh, okay. the um, the mixer for Lincoln Park. Oh, okay, it's the DJ guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, James Wan also made The Conjuring and Annabelle, which features the doll Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Which has a really cool evil doll design, um, but I really can't. I liked The Conjuring. I can't get behind Annabelle in the movie. Didn't see Annabelle, but I've seen The Conjuring. She looks really cool, and she is instantly creepy. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, the movie Annabelle isn't a straight evil doll horror film. There's mm. like this. It's kind of like this Rosemary's Baby situation where this lady moves into an apartment, and no one believes the doll's evil, and then people are like kind of conspiring against her. It feels like almost a cover version of Rosemary's Baby with like a doll in there as an afterthought. It's kind of like a hmm. just a boring film. Yeah. What a, were you fans of The Conjuring? Yeah, it was great. I thought it was, it was good because I, I saw a trailer for the second one that's coming out. I was like, that looks like a pretty good horror movie. Yeah. I will say this one in James Wan's defense, uh, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name because I just said it like twelve times. But uh, 
the Conjuring he directed, mm-hmm. um, Annabelle, he, he, I don't think he had anything to do with. Like, he might have been a producer, but he didn't actually make it. So it makes sense that it would be kind of like a falling off. Gotcha. And the second one that you just, we were talking about the trailer for, mm-hmm. that is like his vehicle. Like, he's making that. Mm-hmm. Cool. It could be fun. I'll have to check it out. I think he also made that last uh, Fast and Furious movie where they like, <laughs> throw like, the car between the two towers in Dubai and stuff. So, I don't know. Even though like I don't like Saw, and he's like attached to that, I've, I've really enjoyed Dead Silence. I thought The Conjuring was pretty good. Um, yeah. I'd like to see more stuff from him. Um, so that brings us all the way up to 2014, uh, when Annabelle came out. The most recent one came out a month ago, and it was The Boy. Uh, <laughs> which Brittany and I have seen. So good. It's really good. So good. So, uh... Some lady from The Walking Dead plays this American uh, nanny who Mm -hmm. moves into a British couple's house when they go on vacation. She's supposed to watch their child while they're out of the house, but it turns out that their child is a doll. (laughs) Uh, The doll is really into rules, uh, and she doesn't believe it at first, so she just kind of ignores it and, like, sips wine and, like, makes phone calls to her sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she's given reason to believe that the doll is real. She starts to hear its voices yeah. through the walls. And she, like, tests it. Like, she sits it down on the floor and draws, like, a chalk sort of... What are those called whenever, like, you outline a body in chalk? Yeah, like a, um... Like a murder scene. Whatever. Chalk outline. Chalk, chalk outline <laughs> of this doll's body. And then she, like, plays hide-and-seek with it. And she's like, look, tap, tap. He's gotta be gone. And then, you know, she like she realizes he's moving and stuff like that. Yeah. But um I think what I really liked about this movie is that she did what I would have done if I was in her situation with this doll when she finds out that it could in fact be possessed by this evil child spirit. And she's screwed because she's stuck in this like, you know, foreign country, she doesn't know where the hell to go, and this is like a house like, you know, like, in the woods, pretty much. Yeah, it's, like, very isolated. Yeah. She has to have her groceries delivered to yeah, her. Yeah, by the grocery delivery boy. Sexy boy. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy boy with groceries. <laughs> um, but in most movies, whenever people, like, you know, like, oh, it's possessed. Oh, they freak out. They run away. And eventually it catches up with them and they die. Well, she, when she realizes that, okay, this thing's possessed, she follows the damn rules. Oh, yeah. You know, she starts talking to it, like... It wants to be talked to, and she, you know, gives it him his little goodnight kisses <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's like, well, yeah, do what it says, and you're going to be okay. And she does it. So I thought that was pretty cool. No, that's great. Yeah. And it does go... That's like the first monumental shift where you're like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And then later, <laughs> there's an even bigger twist that I don't even want to ruin because it's so fun. And the You movie... don't expect it at all. Like, no. I literally jumped out and I seen almost vomited on the lady in front of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so freaked out. I will ruin this part. She smashes the doll. Yeah. Or, no, her abusive ex-boyfriend smashes the yes, doll. Yes, yes. Okay, One so, of those in here, too. Yeah, there's an abusive ex-boyfriend <laughs> of situation. Of course, and he comes all the way to England from, like, Wisconsin or wherever the hell he's from. Just to stir shit. Yeah. Uh, he smashes the doll, and then all bets are off after that. Like, mm-hmm. the movie just goes absolutely apeshit. <laughs> yeah. The last 20 minutes are just completely insane. It's like a weird genre mashup of, like, things that have nothing to do with evil <laughs> dolls at all. No. Uh. It's like, the fr- one part is an evil doll movie, and the rest is, like, a s- not evil doll movie. Right. I don't even want to say it, because it's a spoiler. Yeah. 
it's way better than I expected. I kind of went to the theater expecting this kind of like... I was going to enjoy it. Obviously, I like watching these movies because I've seen most of the ones on this list. Mm-hmm. I kind of seek them out. I'm kind of creeped out by dolls in general. <laughs> so even when the movie's like bad and fun to watch because it's bad, I still have that like, ew, this thing's like, I hate its eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this doll has this little tiny like high-pitched voice. Brahms. Brahms. Little Bromsy. She calls him, uh, his name's Brahms. But to make his name sound like cute and childlike, whenever she starts like, you know, really getting into it and taking care of him like a kid, she's like, come on, Bromsy, you want to go play a song? Do you want to read a little story, Bromsy? Yeah. And then the Bromsy. doll calls her on the phone a few times, so you get to hear his voice. Yeah. Hello, would you play with me? Like, it's really high-pitched, like, stereotypical little... British kid voice. Her name is something that sounds super ridiculous in that voice, too. Her name's like Marjorie or something. She's like, Marjorie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's probably not exactly what her name is, but but it's something equally goofy. But, Uh, and also, like, the, his parents are, like, old as fuck. Yeah. I mean, they're, like, in their 80s, and they've got this little doll, and then they do this weird thing. Right, because they did used to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it was from a long time ago. Yeah. And it turns out that he was not like a super cool dude. <laughs> no, he was like a shitty kid. Right. And they and, didn't really love him that much. <laughs> and then the, for some reason he was replaced by this doll that basically gives them commands and makes them give him bedtime kisses. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give him this little bedtime kiss. And they like really focused on that. Like in the movie, like whenever they they sort of zoomed in on the to-do list, it was like the last one. Good night kiss. Like, it was a big deal. It's really great. It's way better than I expected. It's probably the best, like, camp movie I've seen. The, it's only been a couple mm-hmm. months, but the best camp oh, yeah. movie I've seen the movie, in the movies this year so far. Yeah. Um, For sure. Uh, it's probably not still in the theaters at this point. You'd probably have to wait for it to be on video on demand, but that's not going to be a very long wait. Like, it did okay, but it's... it's You're not going to have to wait that long. Um... <laughs> That brings us up to 2016. Uh, there are a couple, if you want to do some extra curricular activities, there's a few anthology films that touch on evil dolls. Uh, there's this one called Dead of the Night from 1945 mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier. Uh, there's one called Asylum from 1972. It's about an insane asylum where this guy makes these animatronic dolls, but he's basically just the tie-in segment, so it's not a, that big of a deal. Uh, there's one called Trilogy of Terror with Karen Black, uh, who's like been in a bunch of great horror films before. Um, she has this evil voodoo doll that attacks her while she's alone in her apartment. Um, and then there's this one movie I didn't want to include called Attack of the Puppet People. I really like this movie from the 50s, but the dolls aren't the evil part of the movie, right? Mm-mm. Yeah, there's like this evil doll maker who like shrinks people into doll size. Yeah, it was one of those like midnight movies. I yeah. Think. yeah. So basically he keeps these people as his dolls. But they're not the killer dolls. He's the killer. Maybe we could do, like, a nice doll movie. Aww. There's a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Toy Story, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It fits in there. Um, but, yeah, that was a really great convo. Uh, anybody who wants to check out dolls, this is probably a good launching pad. I, <laughs> I'd be really surprised if you could find one we didn't even mention. Uh, I'm, like, really excited about, like, you know, well, what's the future of doll movies? Right. Because, like, I mean, there there are those, you know, crazy, like, sex dolls that they have now that are becoming more and more, like, real people where they talk and move 
and they have like human like skin and stuff like that. Like, where the hell are those movies? And then uh, the tourist trap guy. There's like yes. this weird thing people do now where they like wear basically a doll skin on top of their skin. Yes, and they become a doll. Right. So he's already approaching that territory. Yeah. And then you know, uh, Dead Silence and uh, the boy. I feel like do these kind of genre mashups where they're mm-hmm. like. Because Evil Doll movies have been around long enough, they can kind of like touch on all these points that have already been yeah. done before. So that'll probably happen more often where people try to cover a l- large amount of like territory because they already know they're working in a genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously we'll be we'll be going to the theater every time one comes out, <laughs> whether or not it's good. Um, <laughs> and that should be all for today. Uh, is there anything y'all want to promote? Do y'all have anything coming up? Um, I know Britney's movie of the month pick for February is coming to a close right now. Yep. Uh, we just covered Big Business from 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about one of your favorite movies. It's so good. <laughs> you want to describe that a little bit? Big Business? Yeah. Um, yeah, Big Miss... Uh, ugh, I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> big Business. It's sort of this... I don't know. It's just so fun. It's fun. It's funny. It's got Ben Miller and Lily Tomlin, and they're sort of doubles of themselves because they're both like, you know, two sets of identical twins that are mixed and like mixed at birth. Um, and yeah, just go into, you know, this small town set of twins, goes into the big city, and they like meet up with their big city set of twins they didn't know about. And we and they each have a set of like, okay, There's two Bette Midlers, two Bette Midlers and two Lily Tomlins, but they were like born in this small hospital with like these this like kooky nurse who's like, oh, I accidentally mixed them up. So then it leaves you with a twin set of a Bette Midler and a Lily Tomlin, and then another one with a Bette Midler and That's a Lily Tomlin. That's a lot Tomlin. of Bette Midler. So, yeah. And it's kind of this old Hollywood farce where yeah. like they're uh, all at this grand hotel and they keep almost running into each other, but that never actually happens until yeah. the end. Uh, but it's very, it's a lot funnier and like more effortless than you would expect. That Midler, I think this is one of the funniest things she did. Her like big city version of herself Super, is so Super like mega bitch, awesome, funny woman. It's pretty much a drag routine, mm-hmm. but like in the best yeah. way. Um, so <laughs> you, you look like a blood clot. Yes, you look like a blood clot. <laughs> <laughs> what are like other things she says? Like her sister, Lily Tomlin, like this is city Bet Midler. She's, like, you know, very, oh, like, okay, like, very, you know, submissive to her sister, and she eats sweets a lot, and there's one where, like, Bette Miller's, like, being bossy to her, and she's, like, get that eclair out of your mouth. (laughs) Says things like that. So that conversation's (laughs) coming to a close. We just spent a whole month talking about big business. Uh, I was, I'm really glad you introduced that movie to us. Um, And then coming up right after that, we're going to do a whole movie of the month piece on this Ricky Lake, Brennan Fraser rom-com called uh, Mrs. Winterborn that's equally just like a bizarre mix of like uh, modern rom-com tropes and old school Hollywood uh, aesthetic. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Ricky Lake as yes! an actress. I'm more, I'd be more scared about Brendan Fraser because he kind of sometimes goes off the rails for They're me. They're both equally terrible in this film. Oh yeah. But it's still charming. She's awesome. I think she's just super funny in it though. Yeah. She doesn't really, like, get involved, though. She's just kind of, like, her regular quirky self the yeah. whole time. Yeah. It's sort of like, but it was, like, her talk show years. Yeah. So. So check out the big business conversation before it dies. And Woo! then we're about to get started on <laughs> Mrs. Winterborn. Uh, and all that can be found at swampflex.com. And we'll be coming at you with episode three of this podcast. Uh, 
as soon as the world will allow it. Hopefully there will be less distractions this time. We'll do it on a more regular basis. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.